So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.G. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Welcome, everybody, to Cash Flow to Freedom, and I am so excited about the podcast today. Um, it's a topic that we get asked uh, about a lot that we're going to co- uh, cover, and we have someone that is so incredibly smart, literally an aerospace engineer, so way smarter than me, um, and uh, investing in turnkey properties. But without any further ado, Ali Boone, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome, and thank you for having me. And I don't know if I'm that smart. I wasn't a very good engineer, but I can still make a mean spreadsheet. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, tell me about this aerospace engineering. How you know why, where, and you're not doing that anymore. So, how how did you get into that? Why 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 did you decide to start there? Honestly, it was the famous story of you grew up hearing get good grades, go to school, go to college, get a degree, get a secure job, and what well. I should say, what more secure job than aerospace engineering? I don't think that's even true these days. Back in the day, that was super secure. But um, that was, I mean, that's really what I was doing. I was, I grew up in Georgia and it was just the very, you know, normal process that a lot of us learn. And I actually got into engineering unexpectedly. I was trying to be a pilot first and I did become a pilot first, but I went to school to go get a pro pilot degree, which would have been professional pilot. And I got to that school and I was like, you know, what if I ever don't want to be a professional pilot? Like, seems kind of restricting. So when I was thinking about switching, I stayed in the aerospace major, but there were different concentrations. And the other thing I was realizing at the same time about being a pilot was the pay was terrible. And I was like, well, I don't really want terrible pay. And I was like, wait a minute, engineering, that sounds good on a resume. And it supposedly pays good. And it's got to be the same thing as flying, right? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Not even a little bit. <laughs> Not even <laughs> Not, close. Like pilot, <sighs> big picture, you know, like in the sky, whatever. Engineer, like every teeny weeny little detail. And I was like, God, oh, I don't like details that much. <laughs> but so I switched over to engineering. But the problem with that was I, the undergrad that I was doing wasn't accredited like engineering accredited so the obvious choice from that was to go get a master's degree from an accredited ABET accredited engineering school which I was clueless for the whole two years I was there I was like I didn't really have the the undergrad for this but uh guess we'll (laughs) I guess we'll figure it out but just like my plan kind of suggested is I got a really good job out of college with that but the problem was the minute I walked into my first cubicle now mind you I had been flight instructing through grad school so my office was the bright blue skies airplanes adventure you know here and here I'm walking into this underground cubicle and I was like and I knew right then I was like oh this isn't gonna work and it was about a five-year journey to get out of that, but that's kind of where it all started. But, you know, really what, you know, as we all grow up, it's that, like, what our parents taught us, what we thought was real, what we thought were, was supposed to happen. And the then, only way. Yep. The only way to do it. The yep. only way. And then you're like. Maybe that's not true. Seems a little, hmm. <laughs> and so it was in that journey that I was like, oh, this is really my thing. Well, and so see, that's, this is that's why. what sent me out on the adventure. And this is why I'm so excited to have you on the podcast because I think that your path is so relatable to so many people and so many people find themselves in 
that situation where they want to get out and, you know, you did it. You created a plan and, and you got out of it. And, and so many people can relate to that. Um, and I, I just, that, that gets me really excited. And when you, when you started working and you said, okay, I got to, I got to figure out how to get out of this, you know, which you did in five years, which is amazing. What was initially uh, your felt plan? like a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, is it over yet? <laughs> Like it was only five years. Yeah. <laughs> and so, when you started, did you have background in real estate? Did you? No. Um, so that's a that's a really cool thing, and um, I'm actually working on some projects now. Like, I want to share the story more for exactly the reason you say is I feel like a lot of people are in this situation. It's like, okay, I have a nine to five, I have a paycheck, I don't like it, it's sucking my soul, and but. I don't know where to go. And the thing was like, you know, I had just come out of a master's degree in aerospace engineering. Like I had smarts and I could fly airplanes, but like from a practical standpoint, I didn't really have practical skills that were an obvious answer to get me out. And so what I think is really key to know about my story is I was clueless at the beginning of that five years. I was like, I mean, I don't know, like, what do I do? And like I said, my skill set wasn't practical outside of these specific industries. And so that journey really was that five years was mostly about figuring out what to do. And people are like, well, how did you get into real estate? And how'd you get into turnkey rental properties and all this stuff? And I was like, in a way, I kind of want to say they fell in my lap, but that would suggest I didn't do any work for it. I was busting balls for five years. I was like, gotta find something. I was researching everything. I was going to every weekend workshop. I was reading every book I could. But what happened was, and I, I've kind of broken this whole process down um, to be able to explain it to people, but what ultimately ended up happening was it was kind of like I put all the work in and the answer finally kind of appeared. It just kind of showed up and I was pursuing a completely different route and, you know, and then real estate kind of came in stage left because I, at one point I had decided, I was like, I'm going to have to start a business or get into real estate. Those are, that's all I've gathered from these books is like those two things get people out of corporate. What you do with those two things, I don't know. So I decided to pursue business, but this real estate thing kind of came in sideways and I just pursued it almost accidentally thinking, well, while I still have a corporate paycheck, I might as well do something smart with the money. So I pursued this particular opportunity. And that's what really started the whole snowball. This was, I guess, probably about four years in, um, maybe four, four and a half years in, um, because I, I started working my company and doing investing before I quit my corporate job. And so when I kind of followed that path, it was kind of like, and I, I ended up meeting people. One thing led to another, da, 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 da. And then the rest was kind of history. And so, you know, that's why I really want to encourage the people is that it's okay if you don't know what it's going to be. And it may not be what I did. I didn't know it was going to be real estate. It's funny because I was trying to decide between starting a business and real estate. And I ended up starting a real estate business. Who knew? So, <laughs> but, you know, I, what's cool about the whole thing is like leading up to that point, Every idea I got in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. Uh, I remember one time I was like, I'm going to buy a hotel and I'm going to run the hotel. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. And it, it, it didn't happen that way. And what, the, what ended up working was what really unraveled kind of organically. I never knew what was coming the next day, but I just kind of kept, you know, laying the bricks down. And now seven, seven and a half years later, that's, that's how it all worked out. You know, I... I just can't stress that's if, if you're working with people that are just getting started out, that's probably the most important thing to understand. Um, I'm in self storage and I got to tell you, after I got 
if after when I was in college and graduated, if you would have said, hey, you know, are you going to go into self-storage? I would have said, what's a self-storage? I, uh-huh. I, I don't <laughs> like, would have never imagined all through my, you know, my early 20s and trying to start businesses. And when I was trying to become financial, I was always obsessed with it. Um, never. I would have never thought. That's not where I was going. And this process of elimination and every time, this is it. This is the one, right? It, that, it never worked like yeah. that. It wasn't a plan that <laughs> all went out. Right? It was a natural, <laughs> organic walking through, weighing out pros and cons, finding opportunities, going down some roads and everything, which led me down the path that was right for me. Opportunities presented itself. But it, there was no, I didn't know. I didn't create a map here and a plan and say, oh, I'm going to, you know, map this out mathematically and every that's not how it worked. It was, you know, one step in front of the other and trying to find your way to financial freedom. Uh, Cause you got to learn both from others, from books and everything you can, but you also have to learn by doing as you go down that road. Um, and everybody's different, different paths may work out differently. So with your path, what was your, you know, we, I call them wealth vehicles, right? You got your wealth vehicle that takes, that takes you to uh, financial freedom and, and gains you wealth. Where did you decide in this big world of real estate? Where did you end up? Also not by choice. And I, like you, a self-storage is ironic. You say self-storage because when I said I was going to start a business, it was going to be a self-storage facility because my family actually have a few facilities. And I was like, oh, well, I'll keep the family line going. I was like, and so I immediately went to the self-storage expo in Vegas. I was like, I'm going to get self-storage. And then I didn't. But mine was, uh, it's not what I started in, but what I ended up in was turnkey rental properties. And again, you couldn't have paid me a million bucks. A, I'd never heard that term in my life. And B, you know, they, um, they're, they're a very unique subset of rental properties and we can talk more about them, but, um, yeah, it, they showed up and it, it's kind of like what you were talking about, like that organic thing. Like some people are like, well, how do I know if it's organically happening? And it's kind of like, they, it just keeps latching onto you. I was like, I don't, I don't care about turnkey rental properties. I'm going this way. And it's like, <laughs> I'm like, what do you want? And it's that, I mean, it really kind of felt like that. Um, yeah. So turnkey rental properties became my thing, which, you know, it's, uh, we can talk in details about it, but it's more of a hands-off rental property strategy. And for me, um, that was a lot of what held me out of real estate in the beginning was this whole hands-on thing. Like all you hear in these workshops and everything, like find a deal, negotiate w- with buyers, motiv- find motivated sellers, you know, this whole laundry list of, I was like, that just sounds like more work. Like if I just wanted to work, I'd just keep my corporate job and get paid every Friday, you know? And so my biggest thing is passive income. I mean, with both with my company, with my investing, like everything I do ties back into the idea of passive income. Like I just don't want to, I don't really want to work. Like I'd rather be retired. Like I want to work for fun. And so that's been my main focus. And that's kind of how turnkeys ended up becoming a thing because they're so supportive of, I say passive income, no income is, completely passive, but it's about as good as you can get for rental properties. Okay. So turnkey rental properties, for some reason, particularly on the bigger pockets form, something like that can be almost controversial, which I don't oh, understand. It's almost like they're not even controversial. Everyone hates them. Which is so interesting <laughs> to me because I actually, that's one of the past, like you mentioned you started out so strong. I started out actually to turn key rental properties. No and kidding. Yeah. That's the reason hilarious. being is um, people are like, oh, you should never do it. And I'm like, I don't agree. First of all, with that in real estate in anything, because that's not true. But I'm in uh, located in Boise, Idaho, who where we are boom and bust, right? We're a thriving second tier market 
that is just like the mass wave of Californians coming here is incredible. We can't house them fast enough, which they're bringing California money to Idaho, which creates mass increase. We, I mean, we've gone through six years of double digit increases in home values. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's really hard to keep up all of a sudden when you're at the top of those markets, yep. cash flow doesn't work really well and it starts to look really bad. Now, right. obviously when it collapses, but that's different. So when I was looking at the top, I'm like, the cash flow that I'm getting here is much better elsewhere. And I started looking at some of these turnkey properties that I could invest in, which the returns were much higher than where I lived. And I'm like, well, then why would I say that's bad? And I would go here. Um, I ended up not doing that because that, you know, just like you and sell storage, it wasn't that it was bad, but I was always, I've always been so interested in turnkey. So I'm excited to have you on because I want people to understand this better. Um, and I want people to understand this option better, particularly if you're in the Bay Area, instead of just saying, real estate's not for me. I can't get into it. That's not true. And I don't believe that that's true in today's age. Honestly, that's exactly what I was telling myself because I had started looking at rental property. You know, I started trying to actively kind of pursue real estate and I was like, Ugh. I mean, I'll do it if I have to, but it, it wasn't clicking. Like it wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I'm not that handy. I don't like managing contractors. It frustrates the hell out of me. And I'm like, I, it, so I almost like, I didn't think I was going to get into it for the same reason. And then turnkeys kind of solved that problem for me, but yeah, it's, you know, turnkeys, God bless them. They, you know, if you go in bigger pockets, they have a terrible reputation, but I've been talking about turnkeys since about 2011 and 12 um, on bigger pockets. So I've seen bigger pockets evolve. I, when I started writing for them, it was a smaller website. Like I stood out like a sore thumb. Everyone's like, who's the blonde chick from California talking? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, but now it's such a saturated website. Like nobody even knows who I am, but you know, so I've seen the evolution. And so being as involved with turnkeys as I am, I, I see, I see multiple sides of the story. Like when there's a bad review about turnkeys, there's a lot of times where I know the actual story that went on. And so, you know, I've, I've, I'm on every end of turnkeys. And so in terms of bigger pockets and wherever else they may get bashed, my, the two reasons that I see that people, that turnkeys get a bad rep is number one, the only people who post about them are the ones with complaints. So what happened, you know, I've worked with hundreds of turnkey buyers and hundreds of them are very happy and they've, you know, seen a lot of wealth from them and whatever. But the thing about, you know, the thing about forum like bigger pockets is people go on bigger pockets to learn. And so you're curious about real estate, you're like, mm-hmm, what should I do? Go on bigger pockets, find out about this turnkey thing, and you're like, that sounds kind of cool. Well, once you go through the buying process of buying a turnkey once, that's you've learned most of it like it's it's simple after that and so with turnkey buyers notoriously wanting to be pretty hands-off they're not trying to be that active in real estate they just want something smart with their money that after they learn the buying process once they get their house and they're happy they're not on bigger pockets anymore that's the thing is like all the people who are happy move on. So for every one bad review on bigger pockets of turnkeys, there's hundreds of good ones of the people just aren't talking. So that's one thing. For anyone that may not understand, explain exactly what turnkey real estate is. Yeah. So turnkey is the term itself is actually about the condition of a property. So the the metaphor of the turnkey is like you stick the key in the door, turn it, and you're making cash flow on day one, which means the property is freshly rehabbed, tenants are in place, 
uh, property management's in place. The tenants and property management, some people, you know, you could buy a house in turnkey condition and then just pop your tenants and property management in place or whatever. But when we talk about turnkeys, we're primarily talking about the properties that are purchased from turnkey providers. So they're, they're kind of like glorified flippers. There's a company that is in, the, in a market with a whole inventory of distressed properties. And so they're doing this in bulk. Like they're providing the turnkey product. So when you buy from the turnkey provider, the house is freshly rehabbed, tenants are already in place and paying rent and property management's on standby to manage the property once you buy it. So your job as the investor is really to just buy the property. The idea is that it's fully functioning um, and that's the end of it. And they're cash flow properties. So you're making positive cash flow every month. And that's the turnkey model. And the second thing that people don't understand about the turnkey model is they hear this, right? And they're like, oh man, I get to be completely hands off. Like, okay, I want that one. And they go under contract for it and they just kind of sit there twiddling their thumbs because everything should be done for you, which is absolutely true. But where people, and this is so specific, I think, to turnkey rental properties more than any because of this hands-off messaging, and I'm totally a culprit of it. My turnkey ebook is called Hands-Off <laughs> Rental Properties. But um, I learned over the years that people take that too seriously. And your one job really as the turnkey investor is you have got to do due diligence. Because my theory is if there's humans in the equation, there's room for error, period. And so when it's either the bad reviews on bigger pockets, because those are the only people talking, or an investor just dove in, checked on nothing, didn't verify anything with a property inspection, if they even got a property inspection, you'd be surprised how many people are like, do I need to get a property inspection? I'm like, oh God. <laughs> yes. Like you have to do due diligence. And so that has been kind of the second thing is when people don't do it, then they're mad at the person who sold it to them or the people involved in the equation. And that's not, that's not how this is set up. It's not set up with the assumption that everything's perfect. It's like, look, someone has given you the best thing that they can. You need to verify everything because you are in charge. You're the investor. Then you can close on it. So that. I'm glad you reminded me of my second point, but that's basically the turnkey model is in theory, it should be a hands-off model. You absolutely still have to do your due diligence, but that's really kind of the extent of anything you have to do, which is very nice because that's actually not that hard once you learn it. So let's go back and t tell me about you're in your corporate job. Okay. You're just finding about out about this turnkey thing. You're in California. Where were you buying properties? So the, let's go, let's go to your first property, how you got there. Well, I'll tell you something funny. My first property was not a turnkey, but it's how I found out about turnkeys. So when I was about, when I had just gotten back from Vegas from the self-storage expo, because I was going to be the self-storage guru now, this webinar um, advertisement, I think through Think Realty or something came into my inbox and it was for, hang on to your hats, a pre-construction development, beachfront development in Nicaragua. And I was like, Nicaragua. I was like, hang on, map it. I was like, right, the third world country. <laughs> it's like, well, obviously I have to watch that. And so I watched it out of sheer boredom and I loved it. And I was like, well, I do like doing things that make people really nervous. And like, what better than investing in pre-construction in a third world country? Because that's obvious. Um, <laughs> and it, was actually, it was actually a huge development. Like um, Jack Nicholas Golf Courses was involved. Wyndham Hotels was signed on. Like this was no small job. There were people who had put millions of their own money into it. And it was through that. So I started going to Nicaragua because I put this beachfront bungalow and the prices were to die for. And there were seller financing options. I was like, what better way into real estate? And so 
I started going to Nicaragua and that was my first time around real estate investors. And what I really love about real estate investors for the most, I mean, not everybody fits into this, but for the most part, they're pretty smart. You know, you got to have some kind of intelligence to do something with money, but they're kind of adventurous too, especially the ones investing in somewhere like Nicaragua. And it was like this, all of a sudden I'm in front of like my people. I was like, what a fun crowd. It's like smart and professional, but fun and adventurous all at the same time. So like, it was really my introduction into real estate and some of the players that were involved in that project, they had started getting into turnkey rental properties at the time. Phoenix was a big market. If you can even think back that far as to when there was cash flow in Phoenix, this is like 2010, maybe. So I had heard turnkeys because they had talked about, I was like, eh, whatever I want beachfront and third world. Like, I don't want us. That's so boring. And (laughs) so when inevitably the third world country development went belly up, why? Oh, the famous story of the developer just disappears with the money. You know, you hear about it in the U S but in the U S the stories are actually kind of sad because I feel like most people don't get any of their invested funds back, but at least you have the authorities who, you know, like the FBI, the, whoever they can chase these people when they skip off to whatever country, there's kind of only so much you can do. But when you're talking about a country like Nicaragua, they cared and they, and the guy, the developer was actually banned. I think he may still be banned from the country, which is hilarious because he swears he's getting this development going even still. And I'm like, got my money yet? Like, cool. Like you're going to do this development. You're not even allowed in the country. <laughs> like, cool. But you know, you don't, the U S can't really help you much. And it just kind of was. So Wyndham ended up cutting out, Nicholas ended up cutting out. Most people lost most, I mean, pretty much everything. And for me, it was a big investment, but in comparison with how many other people, uh, and to this day, there's still lawsuits going on, but you know, it's, people are like, oh, third world country. I'm like, yeah, but if you look at development stories in the U.S. also, same stories, like it is so freaking common to buy into pre-construction and then the dude bounces. So same story there. And right at that time, the guys who were working with turnkeys knew I was from Atlanta. So they sat me down one day and they said, hey, not sure if you're interested, um, but just a heads up, we haven't even announced it yet, but just a heads up, the next turnkey market we're about to work with is Atlanta. And I'm, of course, my ears go, whoop. I was like, Atlanta? I'm from Atlanta. I know everything about Atlanta. What you got? And so that actually started, um, and at the time, it, the numbers will make you super jealous, but in 2011, the first turnkey property I bought, so we're talking freshly rehabbed with tenants, managers in place. It was a two-story cute yellow house I don't know 1400 square feet or something and it was $55,000 and it was not in a bad area and I was like wow um and the rents were 975 like if you know anything about cash flow that's absurd and that's why Atlanta had become such a hot spot because the price to rent ratios were mind-blowing you're like $55,000 and I get basically a thousand huh and so needless to say the addiction caught on because I was like wait I only need like 10 grand to buy this house, which is making that much cash flow. And I mean, you're paying that's what, mm-hmm. here. You're paying 300,000. I mean, that's just crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and now like, you know, people are like, oh, what are the numbers on your turnkeys? I'm like, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, was, this was 2011, 2012 yes. when like full crash. And, you know, since then there was a point, I think it was in the end of 2012 going to 30 because I was in Atlanta and because at this point the turnkey thing because everybody was looking at me and they're like what are you buying like you're buying properties but you're not swinging hammers 
what what's happening so all of a sudden this turnkey thing really took off because here i was like shouting it from the rooftops i was like oh my god this is so cool and i'm also buying my own properties looking for money everywhere because i was like i have to buy so many of them it was a total feeding frenzy and it was addictive because it, it's just it was exciting and there was a point in Atlanta. I remember I was in Atlanta at the time. I think it would have been the end of 2012. And I swear to you, all the prices of every property I worked with jumped 20 grand overnight. I mean, Atlanta went through this like exponential growth and everyone knew it was coming. That's why everybody was flocking there. You had these price to rent ratios and they knew it was about to boom. And sure enough, all the properties I bought then have either doubled or tripled in value since then, which is And how many did you buy? How, how many did you end up buying in Atlanta and how fast? In the first 18 months I was an investor, I bought a total of five properties right out of the gate. Um, what I did later was I, I didn't count that. That was, you know, things that was my first like rush. And then I ended up buying more stuff later. But in that first 18 months, I pulled off five properties, primarily using creative financing um, between seller financing for the Nicaragua stuff. I brought an investor partner for some of the turnkeys. And then once I kind of, cause at that time I didn't have, um, yeah, I, I didn't even know what I was doing. That, that was the thing. I was like, I got to move fast because like these are happening. And so that was like my, I call it the 18 month scramble. <laughs> I was like, and I also knew I was going to quit my corporate job at some point too. And I wanted to grab what I could before I lost my W2. So that was my, that ended up kind of being my claim to fame was the primarily creative financing. And then once that kind of became my base, then I was able to build on later. And the most recent property, I went in with some partners. I think we closed Oh, I think we might be coming up on the two-year mark. It was a local, is a local duplex here to me in Venice Beach, which was hilarious because, you know, all of these years buying turnkeys and passive income, don't landlord your own property, make sure you have cash flow, don't ever buy at the top of the market. This duplex, we bought at the top of the market. I'm the landlord, negative cash flow. <laughs> it's like, and so we got it. I start landlording this property. I was like, you know, I feel so validated for all of these things that I've been teaching over the years. Yes. I was totally right. Like, this is horrible. <laughs> but that property was a little bit different because I plan to live in it at some point. And it's higher end, like it's high rents. Um, so I'm not a slumlord. Like, but you know, even I have the knock on wood, I have the best tenants on the planet. And I was very strategic about that. I was like, I'm not just bringing in whoever puts an application in like I'm gonna I gotta vibe with these people I don't know how to put vibe on the application but there's gonna be a check mark next to it and it's totally paid off I inherited a tenant on that property I point that way because it's actually that way and she was a monster so terrible I was like oh god this is so bad <laughs> so so it really it made me feel even I mean the turnkeys had already been awesome by then anyways but now having that comparison factor, um, it's it's been, and I actually, I have another property in Atlanta that was not turnkey. It was actually one I used to live in before I moved to California. So um, my portfolio definitely grew since then, but it was that first 18 months that really, it was kind of cool because I didn't have The 18-month scramble. The 18-month scramble. And I, that I was, I was like, oh, wait, I'm working a full-time job. Oh, I like, I was only pretending to pay attention so to that So that 18-month scramble, like, you ended up I'm with. I'm sitting at my desk in the staff meeting. They're like, so what'd you do this week? And I'm like, started a real estate company, bought some more properties, found an investor partner. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I uh, finished the operator's handbook. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was moving fast and it was exciting. It was fun. I had no idea what I was doing, but, um, so that yeah, first 18 month scramble, you bought how many properties? You bought five, you said five and 18 and months was the start. Then did you leave Atlanta? With your turnkey partner? And, and two, I, I, I want to go back here. I had already left Atlanta by then. And you were partnering 
with a turnkey provider that was out of Atlanta. They were getting the units ready. They were putting in tenants. You would come in, buy them. You bought five. You started and leave Atlanta. And where did you go to from then? There. So I had actually moved out of Atlanta. Ironically, I had already left Atlanta. So I left Atlanta in 2009, end of 2009, beginning of 2010. Uh, I took a job transfer with my corporate uh, engineering job out here to California. So I was already in California. And I remember I had actually, when I left my corporate position in Atlanta, a woman that I knew there that I'd become friends with, I don't even know why she handed me a copy of Rich Dad Poor Dad. I was like, what's this? I don't really want to read a book. And so on the drive to California, I start reading this book and I'm like jaw dropped. I was like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing ever. And so it was as I was getting to California that these kind of ideas were stewing. But at the time, plus, you know, when I got here, I was actually having, you know, now I'm in a new position with new people. I actually kind of have to look like I know what I'm doing. Um, So I actually kind of did do actual work stuff then for a little while, but it was pretty fast. Um, I think, so I started the California side of it in the beginning of 2010 and Nicaragua started, I think in March of 2011. So it was about a year that I had kind of, you know, I was doing on, I was looking into things at the side, still trying to figure out what to do. I was like self storages in Vegas. I can drive to Vegas now. Um, but then it was ironic that, you know, first, first I go to Nicaragua, the third country, like, Oh, by the way, Atlanta's coming up as the next market. And I was like, now, how is it? I just got to California and I'm investing where I just came from. And, but that was, that's the thing with turnkeys is that there's a lot of advantage. There are some downsides to it for sure. There's downside to everything. But one of the biggest advantages was it didn't matter that I was 2,200 miles away. And people are like, would you ever do an out-of-state investment for your first investment? I was like, I did out of the country. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, You're like, that's, no. that's conservative for me. <laughs> yeah, I did like, speculative I mean, I out of the country on a beach in a third world country. That's how I started. I only hopped three time zones to go to Atlanta. Um, but, but that was the thing is that now there was this option. And one of the cool things about turnkey. So, like I said, so Atlanta went through this big boom, right? And so everyone's buying in Atlanta. Well, at some point, it's not that smart to buy in Atlanta anymore. Like people now, because they heard so much Atlanta talk, same with Memphis, Phoenix, they're like, Oh, I want to invest in Atlanta. I'm like, why? Like, you know, it changed. And so one nice thing about turnkeys is when somebody does all the work for you, it increases your mobility because now when Atlanta started to suck, my next thing, I was like, I'm going to Houston. Houston became big at the time, Chicago. I was like, I like the properties in Chicago. And I'm like, I'll buy one there and one there. And then one over here, I'm like, Ooh, now I want one over there. And that's, that's one of the cool things is that. So how many houses have you ended up with? I usually, so when I started writing for bigger pockets, I had so many people reaching out. I stopped talking about how many properties I ended up with only because more from a liability standpoint. Um, I, I suddenly had a, a, um, I don't want to say a fan base because uh, those people actually liked me. Uh, <laughs> you know, like it, once I got to a certain level where I was that much more known, like in the real estate investing industry, like everyone kind of knows my name now, unless you have just been focusing on flipping or wholesaling or something. But um, I stopped disclosing just because I didn't want to, you know, this is America. God bless us all, but we love lawsuits. And, you know, like I, I, there was a period, it doesn't happen so much now that bigger pockets is bigger, but for a while in the beginning, I had a lot of bullies. I loved them. Little did the bullies know that every time they tried to attack me, I got so much more business. Because <laughs> I was like, you know, like, because they're just mouthing off and they're trolls. And so when I'd respond in a certain way, 
everyone's like, oh my God, she's great. Like, and that was my, you know, I wanted, my big thing with real estate is I wanted to be a face that people could trust. I'm going to tell you like it is. I have people reach out sometimes and they're like, hey, I think I want to buy a turnkey. I'm like, well, tell me about your situation. What are your goals? What's, what's going on? And I'll be the first to tell you, I don't think a turnkey is for you. And that's, I sell turnkeys. Like, so so you started out now hold on because i guess i I missed this part you started out buying turnkeys and now you sell turnkeys so you started out buying and you were buying them in texas chicago atlanta and how many did you end up accruing that's what i stopped disclosing oh sorry oh yeah Yeah. that's right you you don't disclose that anymore which understandable but now and then you went to selling um also turnkeys so do you still buy or do you just sell yeah, I was actually still buying for myself. So what really happened, I actually, I'm not the official seller of that. I'm more on the, like, you'll hear the term, there's the turnkey providers. And then some people call us like turnkey marketers or the promoters or whatever. And so, so what happened basically was I started buying turnkeys and everyone's like, what are you buying? Cause that seems too easy. So I was so excited about it. I was shouting from the rooftops, like I said, and like my cousin ended up buying one, my mom's friend ended up buying one. So all that, cause they, everyone's like, what are you buying? And I want one. I'm like, okay go to these guys. They're amazing. And so those guys, quote unquote, came to me at some point, they said, listen, you're already sending so many people to us. Like if you'll go get your real estate license, we can actually pay you referral fees. And you know, as a thank you for sending us business. I'm like, well, that, and it's funny because I was still in my corporate job and I was like, well, that seems like fun, easy side money. And it's so funny because for years I'd been trying to figure my way out, out of corporate. And while I was trying to figure that out, I was like, well, I might as well do something smart with my money. So I started investing for myself. Then they're like, we'll pay you referral fees. I'm like, that's cool. Secondary income, never connecting the dots of like, this is going to be my way out. And one day I actually, so I went and got my license by then I had bigger pockets already picked me up. And like, now it was just, it was happening. And I woke up one day and I was like, wait a minute, if I make the same amount that I make as a real normal real estate agent and they can make a living doing this. And finally I started kind of putting all the pieces together. And so I was still buying when I started doing my company's basically a referral business. That's what I started as. It it's since turned into I'm kind of even more than referrals, I'm more of an emotional support dog. <laughs> a lot of brand new investors, they're scared of doing it. They're like, okay, wait, what's happening? And that's where I kind of come in. And so The big thing that I was telling people in the beginning is like, yes, I have this now referral company, but keep in mind, I think my motto was that I didn't refer to, I didn't refer anyone to any company that I hadn't either personally bought through myself or didn't for some reason trust so much that I would send my mother there. And it was funny because I said that one time and somebody was like, just to clarify, how much do you like your mother? <laughs> I was like, Are you guys closer? Like, do you hate her? <laughs> I was yes. like, touche. Yeah, okay. good, 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 good point. P.S. I like my mom. So, um, but that's that's what ended up happening. Is so it was kind of it was really unique because like in real estate, you know, you get the people selling stuff and whatever, but oftentimes they're not investors themselves. And so mine kind of started out like, listen, I bought these, and I always told people in the beginning, like, look. I'm not going to claim to even know what I'm talking about, but I bought this thing. I really like it. Here's how it's performing. You know, if you like it, cool. I'll tell you where I got it from. And that was, and to this day, that's really all I do is like, I'm just like, look, I like turnkeys for these reasons. I don't expect you to like them for the same reasons. You don't have to, if you don't buy one, I don't care. Like, I mean, I care. I want you to make, I want to make sure you're doing something you like, but you know, like that, and that's how we've been from the get go. And it's been amazing so now let me ask you this because um the the pros i want to kind of 
clarify this. So the pros for tur- turnkey, at least for me, I'm talking about, first of all, when it came to single-family homes, there's so much I didn't want to do. I didn't want to be a landlord. I didn't want to get these things ready. I loved this idea of having, you know, stable, passive income, all that. And that those were the things that turnkey, you know, supposedly brought to it. But then I'm going, I'm hearing the downsides to it, right? And when you look at these downsides and you hear horror stories of being people being out of control, how do you protect yourself from the downside? So clarify for me what the downsides are of turnkey and then how do you avoid them so they don't happen? Because there's downsides to every investment, right? Totally. Um, There are... The major, no contest, the major downside to turnkeys is, you know, when you get into real estate investing, you hear about, you hear this term value add, right? Like you go in, you buy the distressed property for, let's say you buy it for $60,000, you put a $20,000 rehab in it, so you're 80000 in, and now it's worth a hundred. Like that is really what people strive for. And you're not going to get that with turnkeys. You're primarily going to, um, keys at market value. And just recently, I've kind of figured out that there are turnkey companies out there now who have an appraisal contingency in their contract where if the property appraises below your purchase price, you're still on the hook for it. And so now there's this whole rumor mill of, oh, turnkeys are over, you know, they're, you're going to overpay for turnkeys. And there are companies now that are making people do that. And I, I completely disagree with it. None of the companies I work with make people do that. So I'm like, great if we could possibly tarnish the turnkey name a little more guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But the other thing you'll hear people say is that you pay a premium for turnkey. Like that's the hot word. And people take that to mean that a premium is that above market value. That's not accurate. The premium is that you're not paying undervalue. So, you know, if this same scenario, $60,000 property, $20,000 rehab, so 80 total, and it's now worth a hundred in turnkey world, you're going to pay the hundred and in value add world, you're going to pay the 80 and now it's worth a hundred. So that premium is that $20,000 difference. After you fix it up, after you do yeah, the value, add it's process. not yeah. that you're paying 120 yeah. now. So yeah. people have really misconstrued this premium idea. So, but the point being the major downside is that you are going to pay about market value and you don't really have an option to improve the property because it's already rehabbed. The only way that it's going to improve itself in order to add equity to what or add money to your equity is if the market appreciates like my turnkeys I bought fully improved but because the market zoomed up so much they all doubled and tripled in value you're not going to get that today at all so you're a lot more reliant on the neighborhood or the market or whatever so it's that lack of value add that is what really tips people over the edge and a lot of people won't do it because of that and that's totally fine yeah um the the second downside i kind of already talked about is the misperceptions about turnkey and that you can be so hands-off you don't even have to keep your brain attached i'm like bad. So there's not much you can do about the value add thing. The important part about that is to make sure that you're investing in a solid growth market, because what you don't want to do is have it tank afterwards with no option for recovery. Um, But as far as the, like, so one of the biggest, God, I, I think of the things that are like the ultimate culprits for why turnkeys have bad names, aside from people who had bad experiences, but there's a company out there, I'll leave names out, but if you're on bigger pockets, you'll figure it out very quickly. Um, There's a company who is under a million lawsuits right now because these people were supposed to have been buying turnkey properties 
they bought the property and then the property was not at all as advertised. I heard one story about how the property actually burned down three. I don't know if this is a rumor. It actually burned down three days before the closing and nobody said anything. So they found out they had a burned down property. (laughs) Like, why am I not getting any rent? Oh, right. That burned down. (laughs) And so this company, and I don't know many of the details. I don't know what exactly happened, but this company was selling people properties that were not at all all in the condition that were advertised. Sorry, I think I'm in the middle of an earthquake. Oh, man. Oh, my God, you are. (laughs) Hold on. Turnkeys are so exciting. Turnkeys are so exciting. (laughs) Hold on just a sec. I got to make sure my employees, my guards, hold on just a second. Yep, go for it. I'm so sorry. I'm going to call my wife just real quick. Yeah, I'm like, (laughs) holy cow. I got to call my wife just real quick. I apologize. We're getting shaking here, and I want to make sure she got home. I'm so sorry. Hey, everybody. Sorry we had to end the podcast with Allie. Um, As you may have heard in the podcast, uh, we had an earthquake, and then after words after we were checking things out. Um, Ali's internet actually went out. So we're going to put her information for you guys in the show notes um, so you guys can reach out to her as well as I promise you we will have her back on to talk more about turnkey properties and getting into them. It's We get lots and lots of questions about them um, and I know that there's so much confusion So I'm really glad she came on to talk about this type of real estate investing. The pros and cons, we'll have her back on for you guys. Ended up being kind of a crazy, crazy time, but I didn't want to not get this out because especially in areas where property prices are so high and cash flow is gone, I know a lot of real estate investors are looking out of state turnkey investing. Um, So we really wanted to get um, her insight and... um, uh, you know, her experience in it out as well as we'll probably have other people come on to talk about that type of investing so you can understand more of it. With that, everybody, thank you. Please be safe, be healthy out there. It's a crazy world we're living in right now. <laughs> so uh, but we appreciate all you guys listening and um, all of your emails that you guys are sending. Thank you so much for the feedback. We absolutely love it. And if you've enjoyed this, please give us a five-star rating and a great review. It really means a lot. It makes a difference. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at Cashflow with the number 2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.